Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Welcome back, everyone, to the seventh Aspire Mailbag with my good friend, the COO and co-founder of Teach Better, Jeff Gargas. What's up, buddy? Seven. That's crazy. I know. Are you sick of me yet? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure episode four, I got sick of you. Now I'm just like, it's like whatever at this point. Four, I'll take it. I thought after one, you'd be done, but you keep coming back, so I appreciate it. No, nah, you got to understand that normally I'm dealing with Ray, so you're uh-huh. like a Ray. You're just so much easier. She told me she's boycotting your show because of our answer last week with the Who's a Favorite. Yeah. So on our podcast, one of the podcast episodes that we just recorded a little bit earlier tonight, she talks about that, so that'll come out next week too. Yeah, I'm gonna have to listen because I know I'm in the doghouse with her. So yeah, you you've got some you've got some making up to do, buddy. For like sure. you better figure out. You know, she likes salads and French fries, so okay. You know, and fancy coffees. Her. You might have to mail her some salad and French fries. <laughs> <laughs> That's All great. Right. Love it. Great start. Of course, for those who uh, <laughs> for those who may not have listened to the other Aspire mailbags, we reach out to you, the listener, to ask you for leadership questions via Twitter, Instagram, and Voxer. And in the past episodes, we've answered five leadership questions. Tonight, though, we're going to answer three because I'm going to mix it up and throw something at Jeff. He doesn't even know what's coming, but I can assure you that we're going to get a, a uh, quick and honest answer from him. Yeah, quick. Anyone who's listened to us before knows that I don't do quick very well, and now I'm nervous. That's great. Let's do it. Well, let's start with the first question here from Taylor Armstrong, and you can find him on Twitter at Taylor underscore does underscore IT. And his question is, what do you do with people that refuse to get on board they want it their way no matter how much it could help you know what i'm gonna say yes (laughs) and this is my simplified answer and then i'll talk but like get new people right i and i understand that that sounds harsh and it's certainly easier said than done sometimes it's not possible so i'm sure that's not what he's looking for the fact of the matter is if they refuse if they absolutely refuse to get on board with something that you know is right then they really are the wrong people however that's only in my opinion that's only really true after you've tried literally everything to get them on board. So, you know, some of the things that that come to mind when you're trying to get someone on board is, have you really painted a vision for them that they see and that makes sense for them? Like, and touches on the things that are important to them and doesn't highlight all things that maybe are fluffier that you care about, but that they care about and how this helps them accomplish the things that they want to accomplish. Have you discussed their, their hesitations and their disagreement? And more importantly, have you had those discussions with a very open mind when they know that they're actually free to express their disagreements and that you're actually going to consider them? Have you explored alternative ideas or maybe a compromise with where they want to go or maybe some sort of like combination, like hybrid of where they think and how they think something should go and how you want to try something new? I'm thinking what he's asking about is, is something like some sort of initiative or new system or best practice, something like that. And maybe someone's holding out on that. So so I really think it probably comes into really discussing like what their hesitation disagreement is with, and then either showing how that is inaccurate, or I think more importantly, easing that hesitation or easing that fear that they probably have, and then painting that vision for them and what's important to them, because that may not be the same thing that's important to you or the rest of your staff. So I think it's really important to to have that conversation. So it really comes down to a lot of communication with them and figuring out like, why do you really, why are you fighting so hard on this? Is it because you really don't think this is right for the kids or is it because you don't like the person that came up with it or you don't like me 
Or is it because you're just not the right person? We're just going to have to get over the fact that you're going to be mad. Really getting down into the root of the problem of why is this per- person fighting so hard? Yeah, I think you're spot on because usually the the issue or the fear is something that's completely different than the initiative itself. So, mm-hmm. I think, you know, having that conversation, trying to figure out what is it that they truly value, because a lot of times the fear that's in there comes from a different place. So, for instance, if they really value their time and they see this initiative as a waste of time, well, obviously, that's that's the issue right there. And that's mm-hmm. something that you need to first have a conversation and trying to show them why it's so valuable. You know, he's in IT, so I'm guessing that this is probably in, in regards to technology. But as far as getting on board, a lot of times folks aren't comfortable with technology and it's fear-based and um, fear you're you're definitely gonna have to identify what that issue is and then you know start problem solving finding solutions yeah like how you say that the fear is typically something that's not actually related to the initiative Mm so you might be trying to figure out hey we're gonna we're gonna roll out this new tech idea system platform whatever they're fighting it because in their mind they are they're fearing not like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be able to do that i'm not gonna be as good as that of that it's going to hurt me or it's going to be ineffective and what they are saying is this won't work but what they really want from you is you to show them hey i've got you here's how i'm going to help you through this here's how we're going to put things in place fail safes to help you avoid that thing that maybe happened to you like five years ago when we tried to roll something out and it was someone different or whatever. So, so yeah, I think you hit it right there. It's like dig into fi- figure out what's what the fear is with them. Like, it's either a fear of something that's holding them back, or it's it's what I said originally that they're just not the right person. And they just there's usually something underlying, and typically it goes back to that fear. What I want to say that with that too is like, what's the minority and what's the majority as far as this person? Like, if if they're the majority and they're fighting <laughs> with everybody else, then obviously there's a bigger systematic problem there. Sure. Yeah. You know, if if you're new to a campus as a leader and the majority is trying to decide if you're someone that they want to follow, you know, that's a much harder sell than mm-hmm. someone who's in the minority where you've already got your people in place. They're already, you know, buying into the initiative and they're moving forward. And so this person has to decide, do I go with the majority and, and follow suit or do I need to find somewhere else to go? And and that's a really uncomfortable place. So I think, you know, as far as like campus dynamics sometimes too, if you can get a shift going towards you in your initiative in a majority perspective, then that person really doesn't have much of a choice. <laughs> that's a great point. But also like, do they need to be on board right now? Can you allow them to keep? And, and, and that obviously depends on what you're, what we're talking about specifically here, Taylor. But like, right. if it's something that they don't need to roll out, can you roll it out with a smaller group who is yeah. super ready to go and do that? You know, and, and pilot it that can prove the concept. So then, when you go talk to this person, then they say, "I don't think it'll work." You say, "Well, actually, it is already working." Mm-hmm. Or I'm afraid. What about when this? Oh, well, we actually already fixed that. Yep. And then you can you can have all that that set aside because maybe they don't need to get on board right now. Right. Maybe you know what I mean. Like like you said, like maybe they don't. And, th- and then if the majority gets on, maybe they will because they're like, oh, like I see it, or I realize I'm not going to win, so I'll just come forward. So a lot of digging in, finding out what's what's actually causing that. So good right. question. Question number two from a buddy of ours, Dave Schmidt. Yeah, Dave. And you can find him at Dave Schmidt on Twitter. Awesome. You can find him in the dictionary right next to awesome. That's where you can find Dave. <laughs> he is awesome. And you can- Sorry. <laughs> he uh, was just on my podcast as the last episode, and he did a fantastic <laughs> job. If you haven't heard that episode, gives a wonderful outline of his leadership journey. And his question is, how do you lead without getting too far out in front and without leaving others behind? Hmm. How do you bring your excitement and enthusiasm to others when they don't have the same passion? <laughs> I love this question because I run through the wall yeah. and figure out how to get through there later and um, do that. <laughs> I, I think you got to take them with you. And I know that like that sounds simple and it is, but it's also not. I think it really comes down to communication. Mm-hmm. Um, 
communicating your vision and then everyone's role in it. So in all those roles are different, right? So there's a lot of communication there and a lot of communication with each individual person individually and figuring out what, where they fit and then painting that picture for them and how they fit into there uh, of where you're trying to go. And I think if they don't have that excitement and enthusiasm, you really got to find out why. So maybe they do have it, but they just don't show it the same way that you do. Or maybe they don't have it, and that's just because they haven't seen it the right way yet, because you haven't painted that picture for them the right way. They don't understand how it connects to them, where they, where, how they fit in, and why like they haven't figured out why they should care, because it doesn't connect to their why of whatever it is that you're doing. Um, so I think really find out like like what is personal about like to them and like what get what what gets them excited, and then like why what are they what are they passionate about now. And then connect that thing that drives them with your excitement and your passion for where you're trying to go. And then find out how their passion and their excitement about what they do fits into that vision. I think that's the biggest thing is like, you got to really take them with you by making it about all of you, not about you or about individuals, but like make sure they understand where they want to go. And I think for me, like if someone's with you in your organization, your school, whatever, and they don't have the same passion for you, and I say this a lot, but the fact of the matter is the truth is like, it's either that they're not the right person, which is fine. It doesn't mean they don't play a valuable role, but they may not be the right person to go to where you're trying to go. Or more likely, in my opinion, you just haven't tapped into the passion that they do have yet and connected it to your passion. It's really important to figure out like what, what is important to you and then how do I connect this to where we're trying to go? I mean, that's, you know, we have a really, really big vision at Teach Better and what we're trying to do. And we, you know, we have these conversations with people coming on our team of like, look, here's where we're trying to go. Like, and these are the type of people that we think that we, that we want with us to go with us. And this is what it's going to take the good, bad, the ugly, everything like that. And this is where people fit in and where, and, and when someone comes in and with us for a little bit, and then it finally clicks that they see where they fit into that larger vision. Like, then it's like, get out of the way because they're going to go and run with it. And so and we've seen that time and time again, and it's really cool when that happens, but it, it's simple and at the same time, really not simple at all. I know Dave will love that answer and he'll be like, thanks Jeff. That was like all over the place. But. <laughs> yeah. You know, in a building, it, it sometimes it's difficult. I know I've, this is one thing I've struggled with because I'm with you. I, I want to just hit the ground, ground running mm-hmm. and go a million miles an hour. Cause once I see something, I just want to get there as quickly as possible. And in education, as we all know, it's a very slow moving train. <laughs> That's something I've had to get used to. And even to this day, after, you know, being an administrator for seven years, it still bothers me um, when I want to have an initiative that I'm totally passionate about. And what I've realized, though, over time is that, you know, I've had the time to do my background work, invest my time into research and trying to get an understanding and logistics and getting everything construction of the, the idea and the like the plans. But the other people aren't privy to that, right? And so when I come to the table and say, this is what I want to do and how quickly I want to get it done, <laughs> sometimes I, I forget the fact that those people haven't been with me previously in that journey. Yeah, their day one is your day 60, right? Like right. they're so, catching up like mid, mid chapter or mid book and you're like already there. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. they already have a ton of stuff on their plate. So mm-hmm. they're, they're not seeing the value. They're just thinking this is just one more thing you're wanting me to do. And yeah. so it's, it's important for the leader to, to make those connections, like you were saying, Catch not only to their passions, but how is this going to be able to be done in a very yeah. busy schedule that they already possess? Yeah. And I, I think you touched on a piece there is, is also like, be patient. Like mm-hmm. that's something that I've had to work on and I continue to work on is like, you also got to be patient, not just with the process and the vision and the goal, wherever you're trying to go, but also with the people that you're trying to go 
with you. Like sometimes it's just like I said, it takes a while for them to click. Like you said, that was a great point. Like you've had these thoughts going, going, going. They're just getting in and out when you're telling them and you feel like you've been going at it this for a year, two years, three years, six years, seven years, or two days or whatever it is. And they're just getting it starting now. So yeah. have patience for where you're trying to go, but also patience with your, with your people. I think also on the last answer that you touched on with um, a pilot program, we don't mm-hmm. have to have the whole campus, the whole. No, you shouldn't. From day one, there's nothing wrong with having a small group try it out and see where. That's the that's the only way we roll it out. When we roll out initiatives with districts, we do we don't do we will fight you on trying to do a full building or full district. We try to roll out with a small ten to fifteen percent to gain buy-in, to prove the concept, to work out all the kinks, to find all the unique things about you your. Your building, your district, your popu- your population, your your tech or lack thereof, everything like that. You work all that out so that then you can do better and spread it. And when you do that, nine out of ten times, it spreads organically already. Right. Great question, Dave. Dave, I will totally go with you, man. I'm like, you don't have to worry about leaving me behind. I'm with you, brother. <laughs> we will run side by side <laughs> with you, Dave. We got you. All right. Let's go to question number three, and this is from Tessa Levitt. And you can find her on Twitter at Tessa, A-R-H-A-E-4. And her question is, what are your suggestions and ideas around transitioning and supporting staff, students, and families post-COVID-19 when we return to school, especially if it's not until the fall? That's a good question. I think that is a, a question that's popping up on most administrators' minds and leaders' minds right now because... I think we're now entering the time where we're starting to figure out a lot of this distance learning stuff in the sense of, I think that at least the logistics have been somewhat figured out. Like we're making yeah. the kids are, the kids are getting their meals. We've got devices out. We have things in place. We maybe don't have it all ironed out yet. We're still struggling obviously like that, but we're getting a little more, we're getting closer to normal than we were two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So I think we're starting to have these thoughts. Out, okay. But like what happens in, in August when we adjust back, like, what are we doing? And kind of interesting because it's something that we're, we're actually doing a lot of work with right now with with admins is this and we're starting to put together a lot of content that's focused on this like how do we get back into things what do we do now as we're adjusting back and what is what does august look like what does september look like right i think for me thinking through this as a leader like communication is 100 percent number one but then preparation and support uh preparation of figuring out what you need to be prepared for to go back to, you know, physical buildings and into school in, in, in the fall or, and, or what happens if we don't like, you need to be thinking through both those scenarios. And then I think you need to be communicating very clear and concise plans and expectations for either and have those ready to go. Um, But I think really for me, a big piece of it is, is just up in your support to a level that you've never had, that you've never done, which is what leaders have done so far is just yep. up their level of support right now. And I think you need to continue that this grace that we've been given. We talk a lot about grace, that word been thrown in like crazy, but I think coming in back into the fall, like we have to understand that even if things go back to quote unquote normal, like there's going to be gaps, yep. get over it. It's going to be, they're going to be there. So give your teachers, your families, your, your students and yourself, everyone, the grace and the time to, uh, reflect on, figure out where the gaps did form, where they didn't, and then adjust in, in the time to to fill them and and and, and fix those gaps and, and figure things out. Give your 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 students and your families and, and your teachers time to 
discuss what happened. What was it? What this was all like? What did we lose? What has changed? What's different now? What did we learn? How did we feel? Like utilize this getting back. If we're able to get back in the classrooms, like utilize that to get everyone back to good first and then worry about your content and, and all that. Yeah. Um, but I really think communication and that support is just, is, is going to be key whether we get back into physical buildings or have to continue to do in virtual regardless, I think that's going to be massive. So, well, and we also need to have plans if we start in buildings and then need to quickly transition back to online learning. Yeah. Or if we start in virtual and get there midway through, like there's so yeah. many scenarios that can, well, yeah, that's a great, there's absolutely a real possibility that we go back in August, September, and then September, October, November, like, there's a chance this thing comes back and we have yeah. to go back to virtual for a little bit. So, yeah. so I think a big piece is reflected on like, what have we learned? What have we put in place? What wasn't in place? Where do we struggle? What are we carrying over so that one, we're just going to be better in general, but also that we're going to be better prepared to make this thing happen faster and more and more smoothly. If we do have to do this again. Yeah. Hopefully we can learn through this experience. Uh, but I think, like you said, the support piece and then the social emotional piece, there, there's a lot Absolutely. of trauma going on right now and there's yeah. a lot of anxiety from children to adults. And how are we finding resources for those folks? And if we're in a physical building, I think obviously it's a little bit easier, but um, there's still going to be anxiety there. There's going to be anxiety oh, yeah. of being around other people. And, you know, what if it does come back? So how are we helping those students to focus on education versus you know, am I going to get sick? Or am I going to get sick being here? Yeah. yeah. I, it's definitely not going to be easy um, in regards to a transition. But I think, like you said, we do not need to rush back. That's that's the worst possible way of doing things. Yeah. Um, it needs to be slow with grace and really to assess the needs of the students, the parents, and the community. Mm-hmm. All right, man. You ready for a new uh, a new bit? Yes. Okay. What's our new bit? Is it comedy? <laughs> it, it may be. I don't know. <laughs> If we were betting men and going through a crisis like we are right now, I just want to know kind of your educational hot take. So the question I was thinking was, how will this crisis change education as a whole? Mm. Because what we're experiencing (laughs) now is unprecedented. I mean, like it just hasn't ever happened. And there are a lot of people that are really being challenged in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Maybe it's perceptions of education. Maybe it's ideas on grading. I mean, online learning, technology tools. I mean, there's a lot of directions you can go. But if we were to, be, to bet on something that would change based on this crisis, what do you think will change in education? What I hope will change is the realization of the importance of the connections and relationship, which I think has been a shift anyway and been a hot, a hot point or a hot, hot topic or a hot button, whatever you want to use the phrase. It's been thrown around a lot for the last several years, but I think it's being highlighted to just a max right now. Um, so I, I think that will hopefully change. I hope that the conversations around equity will change a lot of things coming. Um, I hope that a lot of things will change because of these conversations, because of the, how it's being highlighted. So those are two that I hope will change, mm-hmm. but that I worry might not. I hope they will. I, I actually think... I think I'm probably in the minority here, but I actually think that things like life in general will go back to normal faster than people think. Not in the sense of people being anxious and stuff, but I think more like once we get to a vaccine level and stuff, the world moves so fast that if, like we're all going to forget about what this was at some point. That's uh, that's just my thought of like society in general, right? But I do think in education, I really hope those conversations stay on the forefront and stay focused on because that should lead lead to the changes that can actually make this 
we can actually pull something positive out of all this. What I do think will for will change in education. I think there's a, a, a I think a realize I think a lot of tech is going to change in the sense of tech being integrated because they're seeing that they can make things happen with tech when they're not in the classroom. So I can make those things happen when I'm there and it's easier to um, problem shoot or easier to support students as they're able and engage with all these amazing tools that we have. I think teachers that maybe were hesitant or fought it outright are now seeing that it's not that bad. Yep. And what if I could use this to enhance versus replace? It's not, look, this isn't replacing me. It's enhancing me, especially if I'm there with them. I think that's a thing. I think you're going to see a big change in higher education more so than K-12 because I think a lot of people are realizing that you don't necessarily have to be in those classrooms all the time in higher education as much right now. Right. I think there are a lot of students actually realizing right now that they actually really do enjoy being in classes in college. But I also think there's a lot of students and a lot of people figuring out that, oh, we don't need to go there. So maybe online schooling does work for me, or maybe I'm able to do this without being in a classroom. So I don't need to be there. And are there going to be talks about the cost of college and all those different things? I think, I think you're going to see a big shift in higher education. I hope that we see some big shifts in K-12 education, primarily around the, the equity conversation and the relationship and the focusing on the whole child and less focus on teaching to the test and things of that nature. Um, and then, but I, I think you're also definitely going to see a, a different outlook on the power of technology mm-hmm. because right now technology is what's allowing us to at least at the very least attempt to continue students learning. And in, in, a, in, several, in, in other scenarios that is this definitely happened all around the country right now, actually, continuing their education very well in some cases but even in the worst case and in, in a in a very least where at least have the opportunity to attempt to continue their learning where without technology we have nothing without technology right now without things like google classroom squology email even at the basics just an email and stuff like that we're literally just going oh i guess no one learns like just forget it at least right now we have the opportunity to try to keep them going to give them activities and to connect with them and have that personal that connection because we can go on camera we can send videos to our students. You know, we can at least write an email, let them know with a picture that we care about them, stuff like that. You couldn't do that, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever. And I think, so I think the, maybe the appreciation of, of tech will go. I also do, I really hope, and I think it's being shown, I hope that the appreciation for teachers and educators will increase. And I think right now it's definitely increased. I hope that stays. I worry that it won't, but I hope that it does because I think a lot of parents are figuring out Oh, like this was, this is what happens all the time. Like this is okay. I get you. This is, this is good. This is tough. <laughs> so a lot of hopes there, but I, I, I think we're going to see a big show. I just, I personally think you're going to see a bigger change sooner and higher ed than you will K-12. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. And I think there's, I think it's easier to make those changes at a higher ed than it is Agreed. in districts. And so I'm going to piggyback on a couple of your ideas at least at the secondary level, because I know this is already occurring as far as conversations that are happening on my campus is changing the dynamic of the classroom and learning into more of a self pace Mm -hmm. uh, where here's a menu of items, what we're going to cover over the week, do what you need to do during that week. And here's your roadmap. You go map, right. And allowing the teacher to facilitate her. I've got to jump in with you because that's what we train people on. Yep. And I'm telling you right now, eight out of 10 of our grid method teachers were not freaking out when all this happened. I bet. 
They just needed to figure out the logistics of the technology and then they would go in. A lot of our grid method teachers, which for those of you listening that don't know, like our grid method is, is just a framework for utilizing self-paced mastery learning. A lot of the majority of our grid method teachers who were fully Im- embedded in the grid method were very relaxed. They were worried about the right things with how am I connected with my students, all that, like I'm going to miss them, logistics, meals, that type of thing. But as far as getting their content and their students being ready to learn this way, they were okay because their students were already in control of their education. Right. Their students were already, they, they already owned it. They already had this path laid out. If they hadn't already, they just had to digitize it. Mm-hmm. And it was very quick and dare I say in some instances, almost easy on that part. There was a lot of other pieces that are much difficult, but so yeah, like the self-paced, like that stuff, like that's how we should be teaching anyway. Like that's just yep. the truth. There's a whole lot of data that supports that yep. from people that are way smarter than me. And so, yeah, I, I, do, I do think we're going to see a shift to that. So anyway, go ahead. I, no. I agree with you. I just had to jump in on that. Definitely. No, the other piece of it was just the appreciation for teachers, you know, healthcare workers and teachers are going to be now kind of uplifted through this crisis and mm-hmm. realizing like, okay, there's a lot of value with these professions. Obviously, I think healthcare, you know, they get compensated pretty well. And my hope would be that, you know, that is pushed into education, which in turn will help the equity piece, right? Um, as far as mm-hmm. getting resources to families and trying to help out financially to school districts and, and to teachers and, and to those who really do work their butts off every single day um, as far as yep. teaching and how many hours are actually put in every single day to increase the learning of, of students. I just don't think people realize the amount of work nope. that's put in um, from nope. our teachers and, and from really all educators. So hopefully this is enlightening to a lot of people. Um, and like you said, it isn't forgotten as soon as things get yep. back to normal. And mm-hmm. that they, you know, in turn can can find a way to to really support them in all kinds of ways, but hopefully financially too, because I think education in general is poorly funded, yeah. and I would like to see that increased. Agreed. All right, man. Your Teach Better team is putting out a ton of content, so much so that it's hard to keep up with. But the thing I've <laughs> noticed lately is that your blogs have increased, and you are having guest blogs. Yeah, well, wow, we've got about, I don't even know what we have now. I think we have 40 guest bloggers that we've had with us. Some have been blogging with us for almost two years now, but we really turned it up, you know, uh, a few months back at the start of this year, at the start of 2020s, when we really turned it up and we put out four a week. But because of just things going on in our, you know, we reached out to all of our guest bloggers and asked them to shift some of the thinking to more, to just to really focus on things that they think can help right now. And moving forward with where we're at right now, and we've had so much, so much awesomeness coming from them, and and then our, you know, and stuff. So that we decided that we kind of got a, we had an influx, I guess, right now. And Caitlin and uh, Ray came to like, hey, we have this idea, we're gonna do another series. So this Sunday, nineteenth, we're releasing six blogs, all boom, all once on that day. So you know, we do four four weeks, so do that. So it'll be ten coming out this week. Uh, those six are part of a series that's really focused on what are we taking away from this mm-hmm. and taking into next year. So like the one question, the last question we had from, uh, was that from Tessa? Tess? Uh, Tessa, a great question leads right in. This is a lot of our, how are we supporting teachers right now? And then what are we taking away to be best prepared for whatever August, September, fall looks like? Um, so we have six blogs coming out all on, um, on Sunday uh, for that. But we're continuing to do four blogs a week. We've got the five-day daily drop-ins every single day, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. Eastern time over on our Facebook group. Uh, those then go up on the podcast. Right now, there's seven episodes for the podcast coming out, two interviews plus the five drop-ins. Mm-hmm. And actually, our 
our analytics are showing that the drop-ins are, are, are going well on the podcast. They're getting more listens than our, than our normal ones go. Our, our, our listenership has gone up, which is great. Um, so people are really liking that. I think it's really valuable. We're bringing some awesome people in uh, tomorrow morning, which we're recording this Monday nights. So tomorrow morning's Tuesday. I've got Sheldon Eakins coming in, who is just phenomenal. He's going to be joining me. We're going to be talking a lot about that equity piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got some really great uh, people joining us on those. So, yeah, we're just trying to create as much as we possibly can to support anyone and everyone we, uh, right now um, with whoever we're at and move forward. We, I mean, that's all what we always do, but just really focused in right now and really, really focused in and zeroed in on exactly what you need right now. Where, you know, not not as much like, hey, this is always good, but rather like what's really specific right now and, and really valuable. So hyper focus. That's a good word for it right there. I like yeah. it. All right. Make sure you're checking out the Facebook live drop-ins and then the guest blogs and then also the Teach Better Talk podcast because there's a lot of content coming out in all three of those aspects. And then for the listeners, I know that we had more questions provided, but we didn't get to them tonight. But uh, we'll make sure when we get to those, the next Aspire mailbags and then Continue to send us DMs through Twitter, Instagram. You can send a box. Give us your leadership questions, and we'll make sure that we try and answer those in weeks to come. Jeff, as usual, thank you so much for your time and for being on the podcast. Appreciate you, brother.